We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right, Sean Siegel, welcome back to the show. Uh, it is, of course, the Best Ball Banana Stand, a weekly show hosted by me, Peter Overzet, and my guest, Sean Siegel from Rotoviz. Whether you're listening to this on the Rotoviz airwaves or on my YouTube channel, welcome. We draft a team every week here in Best Ball Mania for chasing that $3 million prize. Sean, I did just hop into a draft here to get us rolling. How are you doing today? Good, good. I had a uh chance to jump in with you and Ben after dark the other night for uh, a minute. And that was always interesting. I couldn't hear you. So if you had any awesome notes on the zoos, if we need to fill time at any point, I've got <laughs> zoo information for you. Yes. I took me a second to realize what you were referencing and that I had completely forgot that. Yes. Uh, Gretchen, I may or may not have drunk dialed Sean uh, last Thursday, and we did learn um, uh, quite a sad anecdote about the Kansas City Zoo from the mid-90s. So I'm not going to spoil any more of that, Sean. They are going to have to go watch that randomizer draft, uh, randomizer draft, randomizer draft with uh, with Ben Gretsch to get that. But yes, we are going to be a little bit more focused, a little bit more centered today here on Best Ball Banana Stand. Sean, we are picking from the 1-6 here in Best Ball Mania. I do have your freshly updated ranks here from Rotoviz loaded in and we are off to the races here have you gotten a few drafts under your belt since we last talked i have and i did one last night that was interesting because i was exploring some builds that the roster construction explorer definitely doesn't like so working through what happens if 2023 actually doesn't resemble 2022 very closely at all which mm. i think is an interesting experiment that we all need to work with pete i wanted to ask you as we get in a position here where we might take a running back do you think the wide receiver heavy nature obviously is the result of drafters understanding the format and the importance of the receivers we're here at six McCaffrey I think would have been interesting yeah with him gone I'm willing to reach down on the wide receiver is that the case with you as well yeah no I will say uh suspiciously a lack of badges in this draft. Uh, I did tip people off in the discord that we we're hopping in. Um, so maybe we have a little more flexibility here. Um, AJ Brown, anything else that you would want to do here? I think CD lamb is pretty interesting too. If you prefer that. 
Oh, sorry, I didn't get it in get it in time. Um, I do think that's a fun no, no, that's good. a fun conversation though. Um, and you had hinted at it on a previous show. I heard you and Gretch talking about it a little bit, and I think I asked Gretch about it on Ship Chasing too last night. Of like, we all love AJ Brown in digs, but they are a slightly weaker profile than some of the wide receivers you used to be able to get in that range. Um, talk to me about CD Lamb, and I actually think he's interesting when being discussed with Devontae Adams too, right? Like a player we have really zero concerns with from a talent profile, but you just mentioning CD over Devontae, how, how are you thinking about those guys relative to say the Brown digs tier? Well, I think that we could get a huge explosion from him. The more you look into his profile, I mean, we would have liked to see him take more routes early really jump into that 13, 14, 1500 yard range even earlier in his career. But when you go back through the entire profile, stretching back to college, where I think he was even better than people realize him, somebody who could have been a top six or seven draft pick. And I mean, this could be the year that he takes another step, kind of moves into what we saw from a Cooper Cup. Now that's balanced a little bit by having Brandon Cooks there who could steal a lot more of the targets than some of the people he's been dealing with in the past. Yep. Um, we do see CeeDee Lamb go off the board at nine ahead of Stefan Diggs. There, there's some element here, Sean, where it feels like leading the witness, leading the draft board here. <laughs> you mentioned CeeDee Lamb ahead of Diggs. And then, you know, for the only draft I've done all summer, you see CeeDee Lamb go ahead of Stefan Diggs. Funny how that happens. An impressionable draft room. We're about to be on the clock here at 2-7, pick 19. Best available according to the road of his ranks here. We got Jonathan Taylor, Tony Pollard, Jalen Hurts, if you wanted to stack him up. Mahomes does go off the board, so all of those guys are available. You could also dig deeper at wide receiver with Higgins and Devonta. How do you want to play this here from the middle of the draft board? Well, I think that Jonathan Taylor is a massive win at these prices. I do think it's also interesting to take Devonte Smith, see if that pushed hurts to us kind of depending on how you think this draft is going to go, how your drafts are going. Those would be the two options for me. Let's um. so in the last draft, the, um, the AJ Brown drafter did exactly what we did, took Devonta Smith here and then did get Jalen hurts um, coming back. Now, I think it's a little easier to do if you reach for AJ Brown just slightly higher, just knowing there's a little less risk that um, hurts. But we are seeing the quarterbacks falling. Um, but as I say that right there, Jalen Hurts gets snapped, picked up <laughs> right after us. So that dream is dead. But I, I will say, in, at least in, in my best ball mania drafts, I mean, Jalen Hurts is falling to pick 28, 29, pick 30, you know, 50, 60% of the time. So I don't think it's an awful bet. How do you think? about this team now where we don't get uh, Jalen Hurts, and apologies if you would have preferred Jonathan Taylor knowing uh, Hurts might not make it back, but I, I assume you're still fine with a big bet on the Eagles uh, alphas here. I like it. I think that, I mean, both of those picks are mild reaches, but there are so many ways that it can work out, and it does let us defend against the receiver runs a little bit. One of the things that we are seeing in this draft is that it may not be nearly as receiver heavy as the earlier mm -hmm. ones that we've done together this season. So that might not be as much of an issue. I was kind of looking forward to taking an elite QB because I've been very late on the quarterbacks, but I don't think it's a problem at all. I think that late QB is actually the way you have to play it in the early going to get the most value out of these boards that are running back and wide receiver. Just uh, it dictates those positions 
to such an extreme with the way ADP is working this year. Yeah. And it looked, you know, I don't think this person would take Josh Allen. They do take Ramondre. I mean, I, I've been doing some Josh Allen backdoor stacks. I know there's a late wide receiver on the bills. You recently wrote up, would you want to go that route here? Or would you want to grab another receiver? Gibbs has been falling more. So that would seem like a reach. What do, what do you think is the play here? I like either Samuel or we could do the Allen play. I think that we're going to get some opportunities for late, either even later Allen to where it might work out even a little bit better. I'd hate to be a little bit ahead in terms of reaching on a couple of receivers and then also having an elite QB. It starts to put together a roster that maybe doesn't have enough overall value to it. Yeah, so we do select Debo Samuel here. I mean, anytime Sean gives me even the slightest of permissions to uh, start setting up a zero RB build, I am going to slam on the gas there. Uh, as much as I do like um, some of those builds uh, with the Josh Allen backdoor stuff. So we get AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Debo Samuel uh, here to start. And yeah, we did see, um, you know, quite the run there. You know, Brees Hall, Josh Jacobs go at the 2-3 turn which is where I think I would have assumed they would go um, in more drafts. Although I've had best ball breakfast drafts where those guys have fallen to the three, four turn. So um, does seem to be a little bit more running back heavy room here, Sean, any other builds or um, trends in this draft jumping out to you? No, I think that those running backs going is going to give us actually the opportunity to go zero RB and, and still we can make detours when we want, but go zero RB and get the full value out of it as opposed to trying to push it. I mean, there are two different sides when you're in the wide receiver avalanche, you get the receivers, you don't get locked out and then you take running back values later. Some of those guys who really fall, some of the names that you and I like specifically, we've gotten at fantastic values in these drafts. We may have to look to grab one of those names a little bit earlier, but in a more normal draft like this, it's going to allow us to shift our thinking back a little bit and give us a lot more opportunities to do things that we might do in normal drafts, do things that fit more directly off of ADP. So I think that's going to be an interesting exercise as we go forward. For sure. Yeah. And Pat and I ran into that dynamic in our first draft where we did take Brees Hall in the third and then we got Joe Burrow to stack up with Jamar Chase. And then all of a sudden, Travis Etienne sitting there for us at pick 50, you know, falls 10 picks past ADP. And we just couldn't resist that. But then, you know, we were um, really behind at wide receiver from essentially making three detours early on. And so in us passing on Josh Allen, we still leave ourselves open to a really big faller. Um, if we want, and I, I do kind of like having that flexibility and Pat and I were talking about that too, of like, once you close the door on those detours, then, then you really can be in rough shape here. Whereas with this three wide receiver start, we're going to be able to, um, make, uh, a lot of good selections going forward here. Um, we are about to pick at four, seven pick 43, Jerry, Judy, your guy comes off the board, but we still have some wide receivers. We like here, unless you would want to take a plunge with, say, a Fields or a Kenneth Walker. Um, you can see here I'm very high on Chris Godwin with you. Is he the selection at this pick? Do you think there's reason or room to risk having him come back through? It would be interesting to take Drake London here, but probably not necessary. I mean, I am quite a bit higher on Godwin for what he's likely to do, but I'm also going to have a lot more of him. Yeah, we could, we could see, I mean, if we think some of these other options we like here, you know, we do have a little cover. Let's, let's go, let's do Drake London because he's an interesting one to talk through because I know he's one of those guys where you like the profile, you like this guy. It's just the price is a little baffling. Is this one of those spots where you're like, 
hey, I think it's too rich, but I don't want to have the, you know, the tournaments lock and have 0% Drake London. It's a lot that, and you look at his peripherals, you look at his weighted targets per route, especially if Kyle Pitts is not 100% healthy, which I mean, I think he's going to be, but you could see London with a massive target share, which you're going to need to have in an offense that probably will not have a ton of total passes. But one of the things that Ben wrote about on Stealing Signals, it was really cool. We did a Stealing Bananas episode on it, was how in some of these offenses where you're going to have some of the option plays, the target volume does end up very concentrated on the top guys. Well, if you believe that Drake London is a star and you believe that the volume is going to be concentrated, that balances out some of the risk of the total play volume. And I think it gives us an interesting play there with an emerging second year player to do some other things late, which is going to be an issue with the Eagles situation there. We are on the clock here in the fifth. Some of our favorites going off the board. Uh, JSN, we do see um, a lot of tight ends and running backs available here. Wide receivers, if we wanted to go dip into the the Burks, Pickens, Evans, uh, what jumps out to you here? Let's take Hawkinson. Okay. I like it. Yeah. And when you are doing uh, a zero RB build, um, it does... It seemed like we passed on the elite QB, but I tend to like my zero RB builds when they have at least one of the elite tight end or elite quarterback. Hawkinson slips a few picks past ADP. We also have been adding in three players that give us later quarterback stacking options. Talk to me about Hawk here, who does seem to be sliding a bit more closer to, say, the Kittle and Pitts prices than he is surging up towards, say, Mark Andrews. Right, so we have Hawkinson there with... A potentially massive target volume and when you look at what works in the postseason it's traditionally taken the elite tight end now you and i have talked a lot i like Leighton three at the tight end position this year a lot there are some better options there than usual and because you need to be so wide receiver running back heavy early i think that you can wait at that spot but hawkinson gives us that trump card now in this zero rb build i've been working on an article for the site colin kelly and i are going to have an episode on OT talking about reverse drafting. And there are some great sections of the draft once we get into round nine and on for taking a lot of these zero RB picks at running back. I think even in this draft where the running backs are going, we're going to have shots at those players later. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this before, but I want to say for you, even when you take a guy like Hawkinson or, or Kittle Pitts, Goddard, whoever, um, you're still open to three tight end builds with those guys if it makes sense at the end of the draft where that that last player is uh, or best available player is a tight end. I am, especially this season, because I think that we want to limit the number of throwaway picks. And I think that the late tight ends, they look good. The other thing that it does is it gives you another out in the postseason where the tight ends, once we get all said and done, are going to be bad again. They're not going to score many points. But if you have an upside play late and you have a player who really differentiates you from the rest of that group in the finals who could score big, you know, like a Noah Fant has done, like a Trey McBride has done. I really like having that play in there at a position where people generally just aren't getting many points. Yep. Um, we do see um, some wide receivers now starting to go here a little bit ahead of ADP. Traylon Burks comes off the board at 64. Our team through five rounds here, we got a zero RB build going. I, is this, Sean, is this the first kind of true zero RB where we haven't taken a running back through five rounds in our stream drafts? I think it is. It is. It is. And I was excited to potentially do that today. It's fun that the draft is setting up 
for that. There are a couple names here that I would really like to get added in. So we'll see. We'll see what we have here at the next yep. spot. But you and I reached for a receiver in the previous draft. I don't know that ended up being the play in that one, but I do think it's the play in this one. What do you think about Dotson? Ooh, okay. I thought you were going to say Pickens. Um, I see where you're going though here. I assume this is influenced by the Debo selection, influenced by us still wanting to add quarterback options late. Although Pickens checks that box too. But to me, I'm guessing you're looking ahead to the schedule here with this selection. I am. And there are so many drafts to still do. I don't want to get too concerned about exposures early. But I mean, the Steelers are saying they're going to run. I think that their weapons are in the passing game. I think that if Kenny Pickett takes a step forward, it's going to be a beautiful passing attack. And partly what they're doing right now is taking a little bit of the pressure off of him. But if they do go extremely run heavy, if their defense is successful, if they are a little bit of a throwback team. I'm looking at my exposures. It's very Steelers heavy in drafts where it makes some sense to pivot off of that. I'm going to let those Steelers guys fall. Getting some nice uh, tight end fallers in this room. Don't often see Dallas Goddard going ahead of George Kittle. George Kittle slips to pick 70. Kyle Pitts still on the board here at pick 74, although that's not too far past his ADP. Was it hard for you to pass on J.K. Dobbins there? Uh, because I know he's a guy you like, and he does slide, what, like a good 15 picks past ADP. It is, and that's the other one I think that we definitely could have considered. But since the room is giving us the good names, I do want to get to that six or seven wide receiver early and then be in a position where you don't have to worry about it the rest of the draft. We're just, we're so loaded that, I mean, obviously we're set. And there are a couple of other names. I do like Dobbins. I think I'm going to end up with a ton of him. But even recently, they've been suggesting that they may throw the ball to the running backs a little bit more. If Dobbins catches some passes, he's going to be a massive league winner from this area of the draft. So we are on the clock. Uh, Pickens and Swift go. I assume those would have been two names we would have been interested in. You know, wide receivers. You got the Ravens guys, Elijah Moore, Pitts still on the board here. What do you like? Well, we could do something that we haven't talked about a lot and go in Cam Akers. Is that a direction that... I yeah, talk to me about Akers. He he had got uh, him and Damian Pierce. You can see here, based on my exposures, only six point seven percent Acres. I don't often find myself taking running backs in this range just because I'm grabbing a, a Pickens who falls there. I think on this build as an anchor, the Acres stuff is interesting, right? Because he does project now as a volume workhorse. The Rams are talking him up, and then you also juxtapose it with some of those rumblings at the beginning of the year last year where the team was saying we're down on him. They wanted to get Kyron Williams involved. Then Kyron gets hurt. We kind of never know how that would have played out. Are you buying that acres is back in the good graces of this coaching staff? It seems like it. They haven't done much at all to deal with that position. Now they have weaknesses all across the offense. And I mean, that could be an issue for them. Anytime I would write in season articles talking about, how you wanted to address your starting lineups, how you wanted to maybe play a little bit DFS element, talk about some of the late or in season, I should say, underdog drafts. You pull up the advanced team stat explorer and the run blocking for the Rams was so excruciatingly poor that you didn't want any part of that. But I think that this Rams offense is going to bounce back. I don't think it's going to be what it was in 2021, but I think there is a little margin left there. Akers is going to have a lot of work. And unlike some other backs like a James Conner and a Rashad White who are in similar situations, 
you have a guy who probably is still a big talent. He's now far enough removed from the injury that we might see that. And I just think those offenses will be a little bit better. The Tampa Bay offense should be good, but I guess I am selling White's talent profile, at least at this point, maybe a little bit later in draft season. When we need a name there, I'll feel like it makes more sense to pull the, the trigger on him. Yeah, happy to get some exposure in there. I, I assume, though, you would have been Swift over Acres if Swift fell. Yeah, I really wanted Swift. Those those last two yep. picks right before ours were were daggers. Yep. Um, all right, we are about to be on the clock here. You know, we're in that range where the wide receivers are all flying off the board and in kind of a purgatory here. Zay Flowers does go at 88. Um, a guy we've been drafting a ton, James Cook here at the top. Um, you know, J- Javante Williams, another guy we like. Uh, what stands out to you on this board? Yeah, I think we could go back to Cook. I think that we could go with Javante a little early. I've been trying to get as much of both him and P. Ryan. I mean, I think that P. Ryan is probably the way to play it overall, and it's going to be a massive winner. And yet, I think that Williams, when it makes sense, we want to get a little bit of him in there. And when you have Cam Akers and you have Javante Williams, and you're taking them in rounds seven and eight. With the profiles that they came in with, with the age that they are, if they can be healthy and you look to the second half of the tournament, I think that we're going to be able to draft some really nice running back values in the sort of intermediate rounds. I'm not worried about the overall scoring there. I like where we're going to be at wide receiver. And so I'm kind of thinking to the tournament element of it where I just have a hard time imagining players in this range scoring with Javante Williams it's not out of the question that we talk about 2024 ADP and Pete, this was something you brought up on the show last week, that Javante Williams is a one, two turn guy. When you can get him here, I think you have to take at least some shares. Yeah. And I think the thing that's interesting with Javante is if say he was just say he was fully healthy, but he was going to be suspended for half the season, even right. Like those eight games, but then you knew he came back at completely full strength, no injury history. He's still probably like a fifth round pick, like just knowing where, like I'm going to bank on this healthy guy just for that back half of the season. I think people are spooked and even myself in my heart of hearts uh, sometimes get spooked at being like, are you going to get a watered down version of Javante Williams? Where sure he's out there, but he's not that explosive you know, pass catching, you know, behemoth that were, we saw him be in, in spurts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And Russell Wilson could really destroy everything that they're trying to do <laughs> there. So we always want to keep that in mind. Yes, that is that is always uh, in play here. Um, so we're about to be on the clock here at pick 102, our ninth round pick, our team, no quarterbacks, Cam Akers, Javante at running back, wide receivers, A.J. Brown. Uh, let's go back to the board here because we are on the clock. Daniel Jones is kind of interesting if you want to set up a backdoor thing, week 17 with Akers. We also have a lot of running backs uh, here at the top of the board. What jumps out to you? Do you want to do a Jamison Williams on a team where – we have a lot of early receivers and we can kind of wait for him and then have the tournament element or take another. Well, run. now I'm intrigued because every time I've heard you talk about Jamison Williams, it has been in the most unflattering light possible to where <laughs> I almost got a whiff of, you didn't even think this guy was remotely draftable. So if you float his name, I'm going to select him and let you uh, talk about this. Well, I like him on these teams that are loaded up and might not need him for the early going. I mean, Romeo Dobbs, a player we took last week, he was somebody yeah. that, I mean, I was kind of hoping we could get to go with TJ Hawkinson there and get a little bit of the correlation play. One of the issues that I had after we took the two Eagles early and didn't get Jalen Hurts is that I'm souring some on these Arizona Cardinals options, which makes that portion of it a little bit more difficult. But with Dobbs, not an option to come back to us in round 10, which is probably where we would have considered him in this draft, then I like going with Williams. They've been talking him back up. He's a guy who, you know, probably is discount version of Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. When we're thinking about what the production could be like, but even a bigger vertical threat, obviously you're not going to be able to account for him when you're trying to deal with Amon Ross St. Brown. They've got the interesting tight end in Laporta. I can just see him racing by the defense for a lot of those long touchdowns that he put up at Alabama. He was there a couple times last year and Jerry Goff missed him. And so even though he didn't play a lot and he didn't play well, you could see the upside for him. You were just mentioning with Javante Williams that, you know, if the player is just suspended that we might want to take him in this range. Now we've added a decent amount of risk into this team, but because we've waited on quarterback and because we have all of that receiver firepower early, I like to take some of these risks It'll probably force us to be a little bit more conservative, at least for a few of our selections here. Yeah, so we're at a two-six-one build. Uh, no quarterbacks yet, but tons of quarterback options um, based on this team. And I actually think this board is going to break for us fairly nicely. Looking at our ranks, we have a ton of running back options coming up here, as well as quarterback stacking partners. So this should line up kind of value-wise um, there and. I do agree. I haven't been taking a lot of Jamison Williams, but in kind of the, when you're loaded up at wide receiver as how, how does your sixth wide receiver get into your lineup when you start, you know, with a zero RB team, like you want a profile that can truly break out in surge. And I do think Jamison Williams is probably one of the few guys who can do that. Um, we're about to be on the clock at one fifteen. We see P Ryan falling. Would you ever do a combo P Ryan? Javante Williams, or do you find their production to be kind of mutually exclusive? I don't think so. I like putting them together. He does go right yeah. there. But the Camara Ingram production, I, I think that even once Williams gets healthy, 
you're gonna have a little bit of that again that pushes back against Williams but I think that you can put them together I wish that we had had that chance who are you liking here as our our best choices um you know we could load up on Eagles with Penny play Brian Robinson if we're building out more with Washington who do you like let's let's go with Penny Okay. Yeah. And a chain sitting here at the top of the ranks, he's been a guy I've just noticed falling a little bit more. So I don't mind pushing him and seeing if he were to happen to come back. Um, I think, I think it is interesting to talk about, you mentioned kind of souring on the Cardinals, you know, missing out on hurts, honestly, from that angle makes you feel better in that, you know, you could totally see, and we've seen it last year where you get the Devonta Smith alpha game in week 16, you get the AJ Brown alpha game there. And then maybe you, you, you top it off with a Rashad Penny game in week 17, where you could ping pong through the alpha games with those Eagles. But is the Cardinals concerns actually making you want to limit your overall Eagles exposure? Or is that just more exclusively on the Cardinals angle? Yeah. When they're talking about their third round receiver who didn't do much in college as being a big part of that team it it starts to to worry you in terms of what the overall talent level is i think that there could be some huge quarterback issues in terms of what they decide to do there before kyler murray is back they could go to a pure tank season and really let him wait we witnessed last year what happened when deshaun watson came back very late in the year and did more or less ruin the rapport that the offense had had with the previous QB and just the lack of continuity with all of that. So that doesn't mean that those guys aren't draftable, but I'm moving them down a little bit at the same time that they appear to be a little bit trendy. That makes it more difficult to put that portion of it together. Although we still do have a late guy like Rondell Moore in 11, it starts to become a little bit trickier for me, even though as a talent, I think that Rondell Moore is still going to do some things at the NFL level that surprise people. So when we look at it from that perspective, it becomes a more difficult build. We selected Penny there, and I'm very high on Jalen Hurts. I think that he should be the first quarterback going. And yet, if we want to tell ourselves a story about what we've drafted here, the team that they're building is so dynamic, and the risk if Hurts is injured is so significant that, I mean, they may pull back on that a little bit. We could see the playoff path run through the three Eagles that we've drafted. We're on the clock here. You know, we got a couple running backs we like, Khalil Herbert, Eli Mitchell. We could get our first quarterback stack with Jared Goff. Anything else jumping out to you? Well, I don't have any Kincaid, and there is an interesting late build that you can do with him. If you want to take quarterback, I'm good with that too. The only thing I'll say about Kincaid, uh, again, is he has been a guy who's just routinely falling. Um in drafts where I do really feel cheaper Kincaid coming. There's just enough of us out there saying he's overpriced. And, you know, I'm sure um, because I, we are talking about him now, he won't fall to us, but he is a guy who routinely is now going at 140. And I do think we're going to start to see him be more of a, you know, 12th, 13th round pick going forward. So that's my only thing of like, I think we're going to have better prices on Kincaid throughout the summer. I agree with that. The, tricky part in terms of what we have done here is that we are seeing some of those fun running back names go i was hoping that a chain would come back around to us he's someone i know you're very high on and i don't think that he is hurt as badly by a dalvin cook signing i was going to hurt him but if we're thinking about different possibilities and with cook and hopkins being guys who could really hit either wide receiver groups or running back groups i think it's the later 
Dolphins runners that I'm more concerned about if you were to get that A-chain still with a ton of upside. But then Kendra Miller, another back that we really like, goes yeah. early 11 instead of mid-12, which is probably where we would have considered him. So this is sort of the flip of what we've been dealing with in the other drafts. Where yeah. We have to be aware of where those running backs are going to come off. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I have gotten complacent in just like these running backs are always there. <laughs> you know, I, I've done shot. I've had a few moments recently in drafts um, when I've been doing like my slow drafts or other fast ones where I will go and Google Kendra Miller and be like, did something happen? Did he have an injury flare up? And I know he is technically rehab, but I like he when he falls in drafts, I'm like, this feels eerily suspicious because I love this guy. It feels like a slam dunk pick. Why, why is he falling in drafts? But everything seems fine with, with Kendra Miller as far as I can tell. Yeah, I think I have some 13, 14 round exposure there. So, you know, you miss them on a draft here. You can you can handle that. But building out our running back group, what, what do our running backs look like here? Yeah, let me recap our team here. So we have um we did get our first quarterback, Jared Goff. Our tight end is TJ Hawkinson. Our running backs, Cam Akers, Devontae Williams, Rashad Penny, um, just a, an absolute uh, bastion of health in this running back room. Uh, wide receiver, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Debo Samuel, uh, Drake London, Jahan Dotson, Jamison Williams. So we could definitely use some running backs. A guy we like, Khalil Herbert, was falling. He goes off the board at 136. Roshan Johnson comes off the board. There are some names here. I mean, Jamal Williams is a faller, not the typical Sean Siegel back. There's Algier, Bigsby. What do you, what do you like? Well, we can always take Williams off of our Miller exposure. We can get yeah. some Tank Bigsby in there. I'd be okay with reaching on Dulcich too. Mm. Uh, let's let's do Dulcich and, and just see what, what running back comes uh, to us. Dulcich is a guy um, that I think we've now selected a couple of times here. I'm starting to get the feeling that you think he's a pretty big value at the tight end position. I do, at least a player who has an extremely wide range of outcomes. I think if you are betting on talent and then a possibility that the workload or the target volume could emerge in such a way that you see that jump. I mean, we wanted to be early as opposed to late on TJ Hawkinson. And so you have a year there where he doesn't really help you, but he's not really hurting you. I think this could be the season where Dulcich does that, but... If it all happens a year early, then you have a league winner out of the 12th. And again, coming up with tight end names that are not sort of placeholders, but actual guys who could contribute to you winning a tournament. There aren't that many of them. And the way that this draft is falling, we're going to have a lot of tight end firepower that'll help balance out the you know lesser QB firepower. And when you put that with the early wide receivers, it becomes one of these sort of branded zero RBH builds that is just so much fun. Yeah, it is. And Jamal Williams does go off the board at 143. I'm with you in that. I've not been selecting him uh, much at all, but I do, I kind of like the idea of, you know, balancing your portfolio when you're super heavy on a guy with extremely cheap prices of the other guy, you know, I, I have done a, a Camara share, you know, 25 picks past ADP. It does seem like a really good way to play that situation both ways. Um, Tank Bigsby does go off the board at 146 to a room that's just absolutely cranking. Running backs, Mostert goes off the board. Algier is here at uh, ADP. Is he? Is he the pick for you? Why don't we? Why don't we wait one more there? I do like him. I think that if you don't have Bijan, what do you think about adding our third tight end and getting Laporta there to go with Goff and 
I love this because I would, if I was by myself, like in my head, my internal monologue would be not opposed to a three tight end build, but a three tight end build where you spend the capital on these guys early, as opposed to how most people are doing the late three tight end build is, Hey, 16, 17, 18. That's where I'll take them. Um, Laporta obviously makes sense because he's the last stacking partner with Jared Goff. I think I would have gotten tripped up on the capital spent on the third tight end here, but, uh, talk to me about reaching on Laporta there as our third. Well, I think we're going to be able to do some fun things late with the receivers and quarterbacks, but I did want to get us really heavy onto Detroit. Once we had Jared Goff, I think Mm -hmm. that, I mean, if Jared Goff is going to do what we need him to do to make sense as a pick here, then I think Laporta has to come through and they're just absolutely raving about him. When you look at those three tight ends, I think that it's not ideal, but I don't want to get kind of locked into, like you were saying, not making the move that works for this team. If I think that the upside is there. And again, thinking it from a tournament perspective, once we're into 12, 13, we're not talking about, big time names that we're passing on for Dulcich and Laporta. So I th- still think that's okay. Even though the great part about the latent three at tight end is that you can do it in 17 and 18 and that'll bail you out from other picks. But I think that we're probably going to get wide receiver options that are more interesting in the final round today than we do a lot of times. That is true. Um, like you said, that's the push pull, right? We're getting um, a little thinned out at our running back targets, but it probably means some of the late wide receiver options are still going to be available there. And um uh, I, I do too. And this is why I have such a blast drafting with Sean because I, and I think a lot of people viewing this too, we get into the rhythms of like, Hey, late round tight end, or this is where I execute these drafts and being like, you can still get the structural principles of these builds. But if you do them in different pockets of the draft, there's probably, we, we probably drafted the only tight end team on underdog that has, you know, Hawkins and Dulcich and Laporte on it. You know that maybe I'm wrong there with so many drafts, but it is definitely unique from that perspective. Um, couple running backs we do like here. Um, what do you see? Well, I like Spears and Hubbard quite a bit. Yep. Uh, Hubbard is way above ADP, but we might need to take that risk in this particular room. The two receivers we really like just went. I don't know that we need to take a QB here. And so the ADP value doesn't matter a ton to me in this particular situation. Yeah, I broke the tie in favor of Chuba despite, you know, reaching for him relative to the Spears ADP because, you know, when we do take on, you know, the Javante Rashad Penny risk of, you know, will those guys be giving us production at the top of the season? I think that is up for debate. So Chuba as a guy who I think we both feel pretty strongly is going to have some kind of standalone role right out of the gate and still give us that contingent upside. I think he pairs well with, say, a more you know, risky injury room with Javante and Penny, whereas Spears, you know, I think is going to most likely be um, more of a true handcuff behind uh, Derrick Henry. I think that's true. They are raving about him in Tennessee. He was, you know, so good that people thought he might go even earlier in the draft. And yet, and we know the Titans just love to, to run Henry out there. And he's been so good with the way the Titans are set up. It's really hard to take him off the field. I think that's a perfect way that you did that there. Yeah. I assume you would have been, um, would you have been excited to pull the trigger on Mims or Taekwon at that spot over the running back? Or would you have wanted to still prioritize RB there? I I really like those two guys. I was hoping that we would yep. be able to get Mims, but yeah. Mims at because, 160. I mean, Chuba yeah. probably comes back, but yeah, probably. 
probably there. Um, so our team right now, one, four, six, three. Um, we have four more picks. Uh, Jared Goff at quarterback, Akers, Javante, Rashad Penny. I will stop recapping. Tasha Spears does make it back to us if we do want to lock him up, unless you see something else. No, I think that's the way I would go. If you want to look exclusively at the running back group there. I mean, if you prefer Jerome Ford's the, the ADP faller, that would be the only other thing there. And he's interesting. I like him. I wrote an article saying people should draft him. I don't have a ton of exposure and he seems even less likely to give us early production than Spears. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that That's actually interesting. I guess in my head, I've been telling myself that Jerome Ford is going to be the guy in passing situations, just with how reluctant they've been to use Chubb in that capacity. Is that not how you're, you're viewing him? Probably not. I think that I think that there's that possibility. And one of the things that we saw was that even last year when his production fell off and his usage fell off, that Hunt did have a total expected point role. So when you look at his workload through the lens of, you know, how many points would this likely give us, it was still viable as a standalone. But I think that once you take another step down or you move to a guy who is less proven and really Ford doesn't have some of those things in his background that we usually are looking for from breakout guys late. I mean, he's not somebody who was a star at a different level per se. When we work back through it with him and we think about how that Browns offense is expected to evolve and become more centered around Deshaun Watson, I don't know that that role is going to necessarily be there, even though I like him as a late pick. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, we do uh, my my dream of getting another Brock Purdy share with Debo. That uh, that dream dies here. Um, looking at some really interesting followers, Irv Smith here <laughs> sliding thirty picks uh, past ADP is pretty wild. There, I'm trying to check the uh, the Burrow drafter. Um, they have not pulled the trigger uh, on on Irv Smith. Um, but kind of to recap, as we enter the home stretch here, three more picks. We are at a uh, a two quarterback build. I, I assume Sean, this is still feeling like a three QB build uh, for you with with Jared Goff as our only guy. Did I lose you there, Sean? It is, your, uh, and I bit? do. Okay. It is, and I do like a couple of names that we have available to us late. Yeah, um, I'm I'm kind of with you in that. I believe I know the names you're thinking of here too. Do we want to get our non QB selection here at 16 and then and then round it out with two QBs late? Oh yeah, man, I think this is going to be that we can risk it on the QB if you have a running back that you like. Um, you know, I know you do. You, do you want to play uh, Jeff Wilson here and 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 pray uh, Dalvin Cook doesn't go there? I'm still not buying that. But or is there another name that jumps out to you? Let's go with somebody else. Um, how, how about another Chase Brown or taking one of the QBs? Uh, all right. I'm sorry, Sean. Your audio was cutting out, adding an, even an extra level of drama here as we uh, we round out these selections. There's there's no worse feeling in the world than having Jeff Wilson in the queue as Sean saying, let's go with someone else. Uh, we did select Jeff Wilson, though, here. Uh, sorry, Sean. Uh, your, your internet literally cut out right as you said, uh, don't take Jeff Wilson there. Um, luckily I do know the mission here though, for rounding out these last few picks at quarterback, um, to recap our team here, as Sean gets situated. We have a one, six, six, three build. I do not know if I've ever had this configuration through 17 rounds, Jared Goff at quarterback running backs, Cam Akers, Javante Williams, Rashad Penny, Chuba Hubbard, Tajay Spears, Jeff Wilson, 
Um, sorry, Sean. Wide receiver, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Debo Samuel, Drake London, Jahan Dotson, Jamison Williams. Tight ends, T.J. Hawkinson, Greg Dolchich, Sam Laporta here at tight end. Are you back, Sean? Oh, no. Looks like Sean is still having uh, technical difficulties. I am with Matt here. Uh, I hope this team isn't Chase Brown away from first. I will. I'm going to lose sleep at night um, when the Dolphins sign Dalvin Cook and Chase Brown uh, is announced as the starter for the Bengals. It will be a tough scene there. Um, Sean, are you back? Yeah. Sorry about the okay. uh, technical <laughs> difficulties. My experience here is that when you have a little disagreement there or not disagreement, but when you have technical difficulties, it tends to work in your favor. So I'm very excited about having Jeff Wilson. I think that's going to be the pick that wins it for us. <laughs> I mean, that's not going to be the pick. This right here is going to be the pick, but excited about this, Jeff Wilson. This is, this is a Sam Howell kind of day. I don't even have to confer with you about him being the pick there. The chat was uh, astonished that I had uh 17% of him. And that was before drafting him with Pat earlier as well. So the Sam Howell, uh steam we are we are uh, off the rails with how much we're selecting sam howell these days sean in the draft i did last night i set up a whole bunch of quarterback elements late and then i think someone autoed brock purdy in round 17 and no. so i had to come back with sam howell in the 18th round with just the san francisco receiver opposite but I mean, Sam Howell at almost any price by himself. I don't care. That's the way to play it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we're, you know, I was talking about with Pat, Pat has been the, the, you know, the voice of reason, Hey, Jacoby Brissett's going to get some starts here. Um, but yeah, and it, it does, you know, the way it works out where in a lot of drafts, there's, it comes a point where a commander or a niner is the best pick available. That just seems to happen a lot. You know, the Niners, obviously a team with a ton of options and the way that those guys are kind of feathered throughout the rounds. Um, I do find myself having a lot of those guys and then you're in these three QB builds and then lo and behold, Sam Howell's the guy. I am a little bummed out to miss out on Desmond Ritter. There was really hoping we could stack him up with Drake London as our third quarterback. Uh, Sean, can you pull uh, a quarterback out of your hat here for us at the end? Well, I was wanting to do some Mac Jones things and they just never quite materialized. I think that, I mean, his value doesn't make any sense to me. If we wanted to just go with Goff and Howell, then, I mean, we could add to a different position, but none of the receivers that I like have really fallen to this point either. I mean, you could do a four tight end build, but I don't know how necessary that is. Let's do something you, crazy here, Pete. I mean, Trey Lance is is what is crazy. Um is there, uh, or do you just want to do uh, unselect or unstacked uh, Mac Jones, or I'm or Ryan Tannehill getting traded to? I mean, three seconds. What do you want? Let's go unstacked Mac Jones. Okay, that's probably the prudent move here. Um, let's let's see here. Did we get? Um, yeah, this. I don't really blame uh, Dino Core here. They had uh, Bijan Robinson and Kyle Pitts, and no other quarterback. So you know, if we were, if I had like had time to hawk the board, maybe I would have said, "Hey, let's take Ritter first, and then see if Howell comes back." But I just kind of glanced at ADP and knowing that Ritter goes undrafted in a lot of drafts. But I think had we given a close look to this team out of the eleven hole, we would have known uh, Kyle or. Uh, Ritter was not coming back. 
Yeah, and I think that the blame for that has to fall on me and losing connection with the draft about at the Jerome Ford, Paris Campbell selection there and not saying, let's get our two QBs in and come back with the other player in round 18. That was my fault. But again, these things tend to work out. It's going to be that Jeff Wilson pick that launches us to the title. I love it. Three, six, six, three. I mean, Sean, of all the things uh, in the world where they're having connection issues, maybe a submersible uh, down in the Titanic, I would say you losing connection on a Jeff Wilson versus uh, Chase Brown pick is a far lower stake. So I'm thankful that you and I are not um, at the helm of a, a submarine rescue mission uh, right now. But we did just finish this draft here. Another wild uh, Sean Siegel draft. I wouldn't have it any other way. End up with the hyper rare three six six three build. Jared Goff at quarterback along with Sam Howell and Mac Jones. Our running backs, Cam Akers, Javante Williams, Rashad Penny, Chuba Hubbard, Tajay Spears, Jeff Wilson. Our wide receivers, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Debo Samuel, Drake London, Jahan Dotson, and Jamison Williams. And then our three tight end build, Hawkinson, Dolchich, Laporta. You know, aside from a, a few of the snipes we already talked about, uh, Ritter and uh, Jeff Wilson stuff, how do you feel about this overall team? I like it. The uh, Again, I think the only thing that I would change would be to have internet that worked the <laughs> I, I think it's so much fun to do some teams that work through in a little bit of a different direction you see a couple of the names who are available there still when the draft ends in a trey mcbride that makes you question a little bit the earlier tight ends and not deciding even to say to go with a fourth tight end to get us a player off the other side of the two eagles that we drafted one two to start but mac jones i you look at what he did as a rookie what he did in his final year in college what they're talking about right now i think that he's going to be a riser we want to be a little bit careful and just saying oh the players that we picked are going to rise but i don't think it's going to be possible to get these prices on sam howell for sure and then mac jones someone who i see as the same basic value as the quarterbacks going in that round 10 to 12 range and so if I can put him onto the teams late, now we had talked a little bit about getting Taekwon if he had gotten a couple more spots. As a result, we end up fairly weak at receiver from a body standpoint, especially since we drafted a suspended player. Pete, that would be my question for you. How do you feel about our receivers? How do you feel about how we executed the zero RB? Are you comfortable with what we got knowing that we didn't add a seventh player on at the end? Yeah, I think if I do, if we went back knowing, you know, in a perfect world, I think I would feel much better about, you know, still this room feels like it needed six running backs. I guess we could have stopped at five. I, I am with you, though. This room seems like having a Curtis Samuel tacked on with Jahan Dotson, getting a Taekwon Thornton stacked there, or even a one-off Marvin Mims, I think would have rounded this out nicely. Um, but I do like that we didn't force a wide receiver selection there at the end that we didn't like. Um, but yeah, the name I was looking he, at was Devonte Parker. And since we've, we've drafted him that. together before, I was like, no, I mean, Devonte Parker, one of those shares is, is the limit for our drafts together. And I think that's the hard thing too, where, you know, a lot of, and Leone did a lot of great research on this too. And it, I mean, your teams, that third quarterback, the, the huge value with it, obviously you're papering over not having an elite guy with an extra body, but it's also the stacking benefit that really supercharges the team relative to how these contests are structured. And you get the Jared Goff week, you get the Sam Howell week, but this is how I'm going to think about it, Sean. We just, someone tell me when the Eagles play the uh, Patriots. I'm going to try to galaxy brain Mac Joe 
Jones as the piece that goes off when our Eagles pieces go off. That's our our uh, galaxy brain stack there. But uh, Sean, always a blast drafting teams with you. I know you've been pumping out content over at Rotoviz. You had a really good article over the weekend that I appreciated for my Avalanche rooms where you went through your five favorite wide receiver sleepers that are all going late. It doesn't even include Tyquan Thornton and Rondell Moore because those guys have already gotten too expensive. You really went digging deep. Anything else people should check out over on Rotoviz this week? We're going to have some more articles like that that dive into how you play these really difficult sections of the draft, not structurally, but from a player perspective. Also have best ball workshop articles coming out both in underdog and for FFPC. Got some super flex pieces out there right now. The super flex tournament, Pete, is just so much fun because there are so many different ways you can play it. I mean, you and I like to do crazy drafts on the best ball breakfast, but I mean, that's nothing compared to what you can do when we're looking at fading quarterbacks in super flex. So have some pieces out there again, evidence-based, but also looking at it from a logical perspective, how can we expect history to inform and then how do we have to adjust? And Pete, that's probably the most fun thing about 2023 is we have such great information out there. Our roster construction explorers across a variety of sites will help you understand what works and specifically what has worked, but we also want to be looking at how things have shifted and how you would adjust to that. And one of the things I was going to potentially mention for us today is that because of those articles that have come out recently, I feel like there are some ways that we can do a hyper fragile pivot, even in an avalanche room. If we had gotten an avalanche room today, we could have tried that. Obviously we're going to get some in the future. So we'll be able to make some of those pivots. So how can we work through both what history tells us, but also have sort of the courage to draft teams that historically would not have won, but they were drafted into environments where it didn't make sense. We're now in 2023, it might. So we work through those types of elements. Ben Gresham and I have a new Stealing Bananas on the running back dead zone. Obviously, Ben has been very influential with that, and that's especially relevant in 2023. Colin and I are drafting in the FFPC tournaments against the OT Listener League. And some of those drafts have gotten quite a bit of attention as being controversial. So I know <laughs> listeners and viewers will enjoy those as well. I have seen some of those tweets referencing the, uh, the road of his drafts. Um, appreciate you guys all hanging out today. Um, a couple other things here. What am I forgetting? Um, I will be hopping on Swolecast in a little bit. We're going to draft another Best Ball Mania team with missions. Um, we'll be back tonight on Ship Chasing, as you guys know. Oh, this is what I wanted to say. Um, the way I've been doing the audio for these shows, because I know the audio listeners need to get their fix, um, the first draft with Pat goes on my podcast feed. That's the In a Vacuum podcast feed. I've been posting all my drafts there. And then this draft specifically, though, this one is on the Rotoviz podcast feed so you guys can catch that one there make sure you're subscribed to rotoviz that's where you also get the overtime pod you'll get the uh, uh stealing bananas with gretchen sean you'll get uh curtis and um dave going through uh some recent picks that i was listening to them talk about as well so all kinds of good stuff over on the rotoviz feed make sure you are subscribed to that make sure you're subscribed to rotoviz uh such great work getting pumped out there on the reg Sean, appreciate you uh, joining as always. We are here every single Wednesday, back-to-back -back drafts with Pat Crane and Sean Siegel. This is Best Ball Breakfast. This is the Best Ball Banana Stand for Sean. I'm Pete. We'll see you guys next Wednesday.
have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.